we have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. Hello, hello, and good morning from your host of the Chicken Nuggets podcast, Jenna Garcia, here with another episode after what's been a pretty intense week in the Denver Nuggets schedule and just the NBA world in general with the trade deadline approaching. Since the last time I talked to y'all, we've had the New Orleans Pelicans come to town, the Warriors come to town, Atlanta came to town, and the Nuggets headed to Minnesota for a back-to-back Sunday night. It's now Monday, and they'll play Minnesota here at Ball Arena tomorrow night at 7 p.m. before they head on the road for a three-game road trip, Orlando, Charlotte, and Miami, before closing out the first, what people call the first half of the season, even though it's really been more like the first two-thirds of the season prior to the All-Star break with a game against the newly constructed Dallas Mavericks on February 15th. That's going to be an intense game. Uh, for a lot of reasons. I think it'll be a good benchmarker and it'll really show, you know, Dallas was always kind of a team that gave Denver a little bit of trouble. Now with Kyrie on that staff, you have to imagine it's probably going to be a whole new sort of monster to confront right before the All-Star break. But the Nuggets have done a really good job this season so far of just winning the games they have to win and being okay with conceding the games that they have to concede, uh, whether that's due to rest, whether that's due to injury, um, second night of a back-to-back when you only have 22 hours in between the last time you played, which is technically against the NBA rules, supposedly, according to the NBA rules. (laughs) You're supposed to have 24 hours between a back-to-back and the Nuggets headed to Minnesota Saturday night, probably Sunday morning, because we didn't leave Ball Arena until about midnight Saturday. So probably Sunday morning and got in very, very early and then had to play the Timberwolves at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Really, really early um, game against Minnesota, which we'll get into here in a second. But before we go through each of those games and break down how the Nuggets have been playing uh, uh, in those last four games they are 37 and 17 officially tied with the boston celtics for the best record in the nba although i believe boston gets the nod due to uh their win percentage being a little bit higher this has been by far the most fun i've had covering this team i started in 2018 2019 season and There have been a lot of fun moments across that timeline. There was the four-overtime game in the playoffs. Getting to cover Nikola Jokic in general is going to be fun because he's a creative player. He's not your usual um, center, right? He's a passing point guard center who creates incredible offense. And so, of course, there's been a lot of fun moments to, to just categorize over the course of those years but this season has by far been one of the best seasons to cover the Nuggets 
of those seasons that I've been here, I guess. I can only speak for the time that I've been here, but it has been really fun because you have Jamal Murray defying odds, defying what people predicted about his injury and bouncing back. You have Michael Porter Jr., who's finally kind of falling into peace, falling into place, excuse me, and really just like accepting and becoming a more well-rounded player, accepting his role, and it's working. And I find myself constantly saying, they don't pass to Michael enough, which is a huge 360 from where I was uh, when he first joined the team. And then, of course, Nikola Jokic. Anytime you get to watch Nikola play, it's going to be a fun season. There have been tons of moments, and most of those moments that I categorize as fun have been because of Nikola being on the floor. He's an incredible offensive creator. The passes he makes, he's just, it's not, I'm the kind of person who will go to the same restaurant more than once, but I'm not going to pick the same, like, I'm not going to order the same meal. I want variety. I want nuance. I like the league this year where we're getting a lot of teams that we don't typically see be the best teams in the league who are actually the better teams in the league. I like that you have Memphis, you know, making a, ch- a difference, being one of those top teams in the in the race, being a team who's worth talking about. I like that the Thunder have been a hard team to beat this season. Um, I'm tired of listening to, like, and this is this is a hundred percent a direct reflection of how our society in the United States works. Right, the same people are rich, the same teams are rich, they continue to win. The same people who are rich continue to pass along generational wealth to their families and continue to be the same rich people year after year. It's the same thing with teams. It's the same exact thing. Teams win. The teams that have been winning have the most money. They have the most history over time winning. So they have, of course, the most amount of like media coverage, the most amount of people who actually believe in this team. One of my favorite um, analysts who used to be at ESPN, now he's at Metal Arc Media. Um, he used to be in the in the Suns front office. He continuously doubts the Nuggets still because he doesn't believe, he believes that Golden State will actually bounce back because we saw them do it last year. We saw them be injured up until the point of playoffs. We never saw that starting lineup until playoffs. And it was fine because those guys had played together before and they didn't really need a full season to get ready. They were able to be successful despite that. Even though the majority of winners in... The majority of teams who have won in the past, who have won the NBA championship, have been top two finishers in their conference. Right? Um, so that usually does correlate. But obviously we saw last year the Golden State change that and I think a lot of teams this year and a lot of media members will back the teams who have been there before done it before despite the fact that they're in last place whether that's the Lakers whether that's Golden State or whether that's my the Miami Heat who are not playing very well in the east but still people have more faith in that coach because he's been there before and in those players because they've been there before to do it to get that job done and do it again where there's still a lot of doubt in the Denver Nuggets. If you've been listening to the Chicken Nuggets podcast for some time, then you already know that this podcast is not like your typical pod. We're not going to go through game to game and break down 
and analyze just where the team went wrong because I actually don't think I'm better at doing that than Coach Malone. And so I feel silly being on a podcast where we I analyze stuff that really coaches should be analyzing, right? Coaches should be talking about. And while I can analyze the game and tell you guys, well, this is where they messed up or this is where the, the error came in, this is why they lost, I typically like to bring you guys a different perspective. There's lots of pods out there that are going to tell you what players are playing well together, what their plus minus is, and all of that jazz. But on this pod, we like to use some more anecdotal um, storytelling. We like to do some more conversations with guests um, and just address some of the things that aren't always addressed uh, when covering an NBA team. Probably because we have the same type of person covering every NBA team. And that's why diversity in the workplace matters so much. Because the more diversity you have, the more points of view you're getting and the more diverse points of view you're getting, right? that to say it's not that I'm not going to break down games or tell you what the weak link is in a series here or there but I am going to give you guys some of the behind the scenes more anecdotal evidence for why um, there might be a struggle with a player why something uh, a relationship might not be working and things like that for those of you who don't know I played basketball since I was about nine years old on a team all the way through about 25 years old on a team. I did have the chance to travel overseas and play for a little bit. So that was an incredible experience. And I might be the most competitive person I know that doesn't play in the NBA or in a professional sports league, I guess I would say. But if we're playing a game of phase 10 or sequence or settlers of Catan, I will absolutely demolish so (laughs) kind of like Christian Brown said after the game against Atlanta you know he said he's not part of the cod crew right now because he's actually taking a break which I thought was pretty cool he said that he actually quit playing video games last year at Kansas because he felt like he was playing too much and that he wasn't really enjoying life because he was consumed with you know being competitive in video games and I totally get that I totally get where he's coming from, and I'm guessing a lot of Nuggets fans probably understand if you have played video games or even, you know, I play cards with my family. When I'm home, that's all we do. If I lived with them, I know every night I'd come home from work and we'd just sit down and play a hand of cards. So he decided to give it up to try to focus on, like, probably his goal of, like, winning a championship at Kansas and winning, you know, getting to play in the NBA and things like that. Seems like it's working for him, but he said, I remember how I played when I played, and I know I'm better than all these guys in this COD clan that Jamal Murray has now shared with us, you know, Kenny Pope, him, and a couple other players, Davon Reed, they all play COD together um, after games and things like that in, in their free time, and Christian said, I know if I if I turned on the game, I'd be better than them. That's exactly how I feel when I think about, I know that if we played a game with each other, I would be as competitive or more competitive than you. So definitely 
a little information about me and my background so you know where, where I'm coming from and why I do the pod like I do. So over the last four games, the Nuggets have won three. They won the three that were at home. No surprise there. There is a huge home court advantage for Denver this season at Ball Arena. They got the Pelicans and then the Warriors in those first two games. Those two games were quite similar. The Nuggets dropped the first quarter, don't really play very much defense, come back in the second, like, not the second quarter exactly, the final minutes of the second quarter. Against New Orleans, they were able to take the lead back just at the final minutes, uh, just by one. And then against Golden State, I don't even know if they had the lead at the end of the half, actually. I think they they might have got it after halftime, but they did kind of cut down the diff- deficit that had been built between the Warriors and the Nuggets um, in that first quarter. Oh, yeah, the Warriors, the Nuggets did the exact same thing. They came back and... The Nuggets were able to take the lead at the end of the first half, but again, not by very much, just by a couple points. So those games, um, I really should write down more notes about them as I'm recording this a couple days later, but they had a huge third quarter from Jamal Murray. Uh, He just blew up against the Pelicans and against the Warriors. And what's even crazier is that Nikola Jokic had a triple-double in that game, in the Golden State game, and in the Atlanta game. Um, after the the Pelicans game, we talked to Nikola, and I had mentioned to him, you know, someone else had said and asked him about, like, did he attempt to go out there and try to get another triple-double? That was his 16th at the time. And Nikola, his typical answer, you know, of, no, I didn't try to do anything different. Very humble. I wasn't hunting for it. Um, I just, it just, it just came to me, excuse me. And um, (laughs) then I, you know, he also said in his answer to the first question, which was from Vinny about how um, he just commented that like, he just cares about winning, right? And so then I said, well, the team is 16-0 and 0 when you have a triple-double. And then he comes out and gets a triple-double the next game and the next game that he plays in against Golden State and against Atlanta. Atlanta's um, triple-double was even quieter. And I think the reason why it was so quiet was against Atlanta was because Jamal ended up going for 40 points. But Jamal had 33 against the Warriors, and Nicola still recorded a triple-double. The team is now 18-0 when Nikola has a triple-double because the man decided, well, if that's the formula, he, he actually said to me after I said, you know, you're 16-0, so it does kind of prove that when you go out and get a triple-double, the team wins because that's what he said he cares about. I just care about the team winning. And I said, well, then you should probably go out and get a triple-double every time. And then he did. I swear. Like, kind of hilarious. I don't know. Obviously, he... He hasn't spoken to the media since um, since that game because he there's just been other guys who have stood out and we've been giving him nights off. But I don't know if he necessarily went in with that mindset of like, now I know this, so now I know that that's what works. But that's what he responded to me. And then that's what he went and did. So I'm just going to say, you know, actions speak pretty loud and words speak pretty loud. 
So I think Nikola gets it. I think he gets it. You know, if he goes out and gets a triple-double, double-digit points, and, and the one that he did against Atlanta, I think was a little bit of an experiment because he did only play 34 minutes. I mean, he got a triple-double in 32 minutes against the Warriors, so it's not about the amount of minutes that he played. But in 34 minutes, he went for just 14 points. He only shot the ball eight times in that game. Eight times, you guys. He didn't make a single three. He had 14 points. So he even proved, like, I don't have to get 20-plus points triple-double to get a win for the team. If I just have 14 points, 18 rebounds, and 10 assists, so barely triple-double on the assists, too. He's kind of pushing it to the limits here. Will we get a, still get a triple? Will that will that triple double still get us the win? Well, yes, it will. And luckily, because Jamal Murray was with his forty three points against Atlanta or forty points against Atlanta as well. So uh, exciting time to be a Nuggets fan. Lots of stuff going on, and we didn't even talk about. I don't know who you would put at number three. I personally think that the team puts Aaron Gordon at, as the third option because. They look to him more. That might just be the offense and how it's constructed because Michael Porter wasn't always healthy this season. Maybe that's just their third option out of habit, but I think Mike definitely deserves <laughs> to be the third option too. It's a it's not a bad thing to have so much talent on your team and to have this kind of uh, – it's not even a competition necessarily because, you know, there's – the ball gets around. When you have Nikola Jokic at point, the ball is going to find you. And they do find Michael Porter when he is open. And he hasn't – I mean, he has had a lot of good games lately. He hasn't been lacking in points or shot attempts by any means. He's putting up a lot of threes lately. But, I i mean, I still would say Aaron Gordon's their third option as a team. And uh, Aaron hasn't had a great final stretch here or the last – couple of games haven't been his best games I think we saw that his shoulder was still nagging him and then he rolled his ankle which also added so against Minnesota Sunday evening the Nuggets don't even take Jamal Murray Michael Porter Jr. Nikola Jokic or Aaron Gordon on that trip it was a back-to-back the one I'm talking about that was 22 hours after their last game against Atlanta so they just sit those guys, rest them, and decide not to even take them to Minnesota and don't make them take that long flight. And I think that was smart to do, but they all but punted on that Minnesota game, a scheduled loss, if you will. They accepted it. They knew they were going to go in there and not take their main group of guys. It was a good chance for them to see and kind of for Coach Malone and his coaching staff to coach have a lot more focus on that second unit, have a lot more time to critique guys like Zeke Naji, guys like Christian Brown, guys like Bruce Brown, um, some of the guys who got a little bit more playing time. So I was glad that those guys got the playing time. I'm glad that the team has enough depth that they're able to rest guys when they need to because I think it doesn't really that game in Minnesota doesn't really matter too much when it comes down to the to the postseason um, and where this team is at because of how many games back everyone is and how far ahead they are in the West. I think it was not a big deal to sit those guys. 
and I know some fans will disagree with that. If you were at the game and you were really hoping to see Nikola Jokic, I totally understand that probably sucks not to see him or Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. Well, you you did get to see Michael, so he was there. He was there and he was dropping threes and, you know, kind of the reason why I made that comment earlier that maybe he has... I don't think he's regressed by any means in his like fo- basketball skill, but I think he has bought into his role so much this season that like a game like last night in Minnesota where he has to even create more shot attempts, create more offense than he's used to, uh, I don't think is a great like place to analyze or, or even criticize Michael Porter because that just hasn't been his role this season. It's not going to be his role in the playoffs. And... So why would we kind of criticize something that he's not, maybe he didn't do perfectly at, but I don't think it would hurt to run that, uh, run Mike with the second unit if you wanted to kind of improve in that area and improve his ability to shot create and um, run with that second unit without any of the other starters. So always something to learn uh, from the adversity and that's how the Nuggets do it. Last up on our topic of discussions today's on today's pod includes talking about the Bones Highland trade and trade options. Definitely been a whole season of moments that have led to this moment. I don't think anybody could say that they didn't see this coming or that you didn't see some riffing happening along the way. There were moments in games where you saw Bones get pulled early and kind of walk towards his portion of the bench without speaking to the coaches. There was a time when we even saw Mike Malone try to speak to Bones Highland, and Bones ignored him. Mike went down to the end of the bench and kind of spoke to him in a way where really Christian Brown, Zeke Naji's faces around Bones were the ones that we kind of all took as reactions to how sternly Coach Malone was speaking to him. And... After the game, when we asked Malone what he said, he, of course, said, I just wanted to congratulate him. And we're like, yeah, that's not what anybody's faces said. Like, everybody's faces looked like Malone was really mad, including Malone's face, which was beat red. You know, (laughs) I appreciate him trying to protect his player and being a good coach um, in that sense. But, you know, that was... That was a tough one to swallow because we all saw his face and we can you can tell when Coach Malone is upset because his face turns red. <laughs> so there were moments like that along the way uh, throughout this season where it seemed like Bones was frustrated and it seemed like his team or his coaching staff was frustrated with him. There was a moment in the game when David Adelman was had taken over as the uh, – Coach, head coach while Coach Malone had COVID symptoms or was in COVID protocols. And during that game, Adelman told Bones, hey, we're going to go with a different group of guys to finish this game out. And Bones all but left. You know, he after the game, I asked him about it. And Adelman said, oh, I don't know. Maybe he was getting some treatment. I didn't know he left the bench until later. So 
all those things just to to say like there were small moments that led up to this moment this wasn't out of the blue it might have been out of the blue for the casual denver nuggets fan who has all but heard only good things about bones highland we can also think about the history of the denver nuggets what we know about them we know that they don't typically or in the past they didn't typically make trade deadline moves but we have a new gm calvin booth running the show and it could be different for calvin maybe he wants to be aggressive at the trade deadline tim conley's strategy was to be more of a guy a draft guy a guy who was really good at predicting draft picks hello nikola Jokic, second rounder but that's not necessarily the strategy or the plan or even the personality of calvin booth so This is his first trade deadline that we'll really get to see him kind of make some moves. And it'll be a chance to to see just what he wants to do with this organization if he does, in fact, make a move. So far, I think Calvin has had a pretty good, done a pretty good job in, in his role. And he's had a pretty easy go of it, but I think that this Bones Highland situation is gonna be a real test. I think it's been a real test, and we're just really getting the first look at it now. Um, I did come up with a few players that I personally think would be great picks, uh, great trades for Bones Highland if the Nuggets do move forward and trade him. Here's what we know. We know that the bench isn't great when Nikola's not on the floor, right? Minus 2.5 net rating without Nikola Jokic on the floor. Minus 9.5 if you take Nikola and Jamal Murray off the floor with that second unit. So we need a bench guy who can score. We saw a bench group, a a unit against the the Hawks, who was basically all defensive. They they have not played Bones Highland since the trade uh, remarks came out, the trade rumors came out. They have not played him. He sat on the bench. And... That's these numbers, the two minus 2.5 net rating without Jokic and minus 9.5 without Jokic or Murray. Those numbers are with Bones Highland. So there has to be an improvement in that net rating. And it really, even when we saw that defensive unit play against the, the Hawks, they did play really well. They held the Hawks to like very two points, I think, in that entire six minutes that they played together. But then they they themselves only scored like five points or six points. So <clears throat> kind of give and take, right? Like, yes, that might be good in some situations as long as you're holding them to fewer points than you, than you are making. But that's a, a very few amount of points. Maybe with more time, they develop a little bit more offensive personality, offensive structure to that unit. But I would like to see them go for somebody who is able to create, has a high IQ. The Denver Nuggets and Michael Malone in particular always mention two things when he's looking when they're looking for guys. They want defenders and high IQ. Defenders and high IQ. When I asked Christian Brown about one thing that Michael Malone has taught him this year, he commented about how Malone has never pushed him, you know. He's never forced him to, like, be something he's not and be something he's not or – behave in a way that he's not ready for you know that he's just always allowed him to play within himself with his within his own skill set and that he that coach Malone is willing to 
live with some things on the offensive side of the ball if you're doing that you're sticking with your defense right so we know that we want to prioritize defense in this second unit bones himself he's a scoring guard a playmaking guard poor defender poor defender but he can score off of the dribble he can pull up from way deep so yes you're probably not going to find a guy who is exactly the same skill set as bones and you might not need it right one thing that the nuggets have is a lot of strength at guard i feel you know you have bruce brown you have a strong defending guard in bruce brown in kcp in christian brown so i'm not sure that they need another guard i personally if i was going to go with a guard my my favorite pick would be alex caruso Shooting 45% from the field and 40% from three this season. He's just averaging only three rebounds this season. That's one thing I would like in whoever replaces Bones is for them to be somebody who can rebound the ball um, and contribute to rebounding. I also, you know, Alex Crusoe's a big guard. He's 6'5". So one thing I definitely think the Nuggets are going to need moving forward is somebody who's stretch who can, who's long, right? What we've noticed this season is that Michael Porter Jr., he might not be the best defender. He might not be able to move his feet. If you're going to put him in pick and roll, you know, the guard is probably going to beat him off the dribble. But but if he has to recover out to the three-point line and defend the three-point line, his length actually matters. And a lot of guys don't make their shots when it's Michael running at them because he's a 6'10 guy who's flying at you. So I can, of course, see how that would be also important. If you're not going for the same type of um, like guard player, right, playmaker, Alex Caruso is a really great option, great defender, gets a lot of steals, shoots very well. That's a, a great option. It's not that I disagree. And he's tall. He's five. He's six five. So he's absolutely an upgrade from Bones. You're probably sending someone else and your 2029 20, pick um, if you want that, if you want Alex Caruso. But obviously the Nuggets have a great relationship with Arturis and the GM over at, at, the, at the Bulls. And so maybe that could get done. Some of these trades I don't think will happen. Like some of the, the guys that I've heard thrown out there, Nas Reed, guys like that. Like I don't think that trade's going to happen. I just don't think Minnesota really wants to work with Denver. And that's just because of the competition between Mike Conley leaving and going to Minnesota and just the history, right? If I had to go with another um, – if I, if I was choosing, right, if I was choosing for this trade, I would actually go with maybe a small forward – at this position, um, my picks were between Najee Marshall, uh, Denny from the Washington Wizards, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because I know I'll mess it up, uh, Precious Achua, 6'8", from Toronto. You're getting an improvement. He's taller. He doesn't shoot as well, nearly as well from three as Bones does, obviously, although I don't know that you'll need him to. The fact that he does make some threes might be enough, kind of like an Aaron Gordon type, shooting 48% from the field overall and up to seven rebounds a game. He's been starting while OG Anobi is out. 
and playing really, really well. Really crashes the boards. Strong presence in the paint. Could be even a potential, like, um, rim protector. Play some backup four. I don't know. I, re I really like Precious Achua. I think he's a player that, you know, you get get what you get from him this season. Um, probably a better defender than what you have right now at that position. And so really could plug him in, like, in the Jeff Green minutes, potentially. Same thing goes for my final pick, who is my absolute f number one pick for this trade. If I could choose, and in a perfect world, I say the Nuggets go for Sadiq Bey. I love Sadiq Bey. He's a monster, an absolute beast at 6'7". He's shooting 35% from three, but over his last 10 games, that's bumped up to 44% from three. He shoots 41% precisely. I could say 40% round, round down. I'm a rounder kind of person. I'd rather round down like by five, right? Like 41 would be 40, but 44, I'd say 45. He shoots 41% from the field. I try to give you guys exact numbers here on the pod. And he's also rebounding seven rebounds per game, five on average per, for the season, seven over his last 10 games. You're just getting a huge improvement on defense, a huge presence. And I don't know. I just think Sadiq would really fit with the with the locker room. Same thing with the Chua. Same thing with Denny. It's probably the same thing with Najee Marshall. This is a great team to want to be a part of. Same thing with Alex Caruso. I think all those guys would fit really well in the locker room. But obviously, I think probably Denny, Precious, or Sadiq fit better in that locker room than anybody else. And I like the numbers that you're getting from Precious or Sadiq over the, the rest of the options. So those would be my picks. Obviously, there's a chance Bones doesn't get traded. In, and in that case, I think Bones is probably going to have to figure out how to reconcile this situation. There has been some some disrespect, probably, I would use that word. Um, I've seen him personally, like, in public. Because, yes, this is a basketball game, and yes, you're getting excited and emotional, and you're, you know, pent up. You're frustrated when you're getting cut from... The rotation, you're frustrated when you're getting pulled early in your minutes, you're frustrated when you don't see Jamal on the floor and you you think those minutes are your minutes, you should be playing the backup point guard, but instead you're on the bench. All good reasons to be frustrated. I remember being frustrated as a player in those situations, but also you're at work. This is work, right? When I was a player at work, it was different than being a player in high school. It was different than being a player in college. I was a student there. So whenever I thought, okay, I'm I'm a student here, I don't I didn't necessarily think I need to be professional here. I guess and I think that that really has stood out. There have been a lot of unprofessional moments that have been in, played out in front of the public this season that involve Bones Highland. I seen him with my own two eyes. Whether everybody in the stands notices it is another story, right? But for those of us who know what to look for and who have been like paying attention, you've seen it. You've seen him be unprofessional with uh, the new defensive coach. Um, gosh, Ryan Sanders, I spaced his name for a second. And then, you know, you like that moment I described earlier where he walked past Malone and Malone got went to the end of the bench and got in his face. 
those are moments of professionalism. Professionalism in the workplace, right? Your coach, your your boss wants to speak to you. You don't you don't walk past him when you hear your boss say, um, "Hey, Jenna, I need to speak to you today about your tardiness or whatever the topic is." I wouldn't just walk past as if I didn't hear it. You, that's not how you do things in a professional environment. You have to be able to have good communication and have conversations about things that you disagree about. And remember that your role on this team might be different than the role that you want. And it's not going to be your role forever. And really this trade makes the most sense to me because I think it, it makes Bones happier and it also gets Bones to where he deserves to be. Because he this is a guy, Bones Highland is a is a player he's a hooper dude gets a bucket so like let him go get a bucket somewhere you have to part of part of the workplace being healthy is that people want to be there and the situation bones is in this season because of where this team is at and because of the expectations this team has might not be the ideal situations for the expectations Bones has for himself and for his own career. He clearly expects to play more minutes. He clearly expects to be more involved in the rotation. He clearly expects to handle the ball and be part more a part of driving the offense, which he's not always a part of on this team. So if, ideally, you're hoping that the Nuggets find a place where Bones is going to like being, like playing, and where he's going to get an opportunity to shine, to demonstrate what he can do, and get his bag, get his second contract. So overall, that's what I'm hoping will we'll go down over the next few days, the trade deadline coming to an end on Thursday. So we will be back with another episode. If anything pops up, obviously I will find a way to do an emergency pod, but if necessary, if it's a big, big deal, but probably be back after um, the Nuggets next home game. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and listening to another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. You can follow me and all the work I do at Vita Viva Diva, where you get behind-the-scenes clips with players in the stadium and interviews. So go give us a follow over there. And... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.